0: Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. He's Lance Meadow. I'm John Schmelk. The phone number for you is 201-939-4513 or hashtag GiantsChat. Send in your tweets. We'll try to get them to them at some point during the show as well. It's all presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants Prizes. We will start off with a guest today and bring in Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports, who is their draft analyst. Just getting started there, Eric how are you? It's good to talk to you.
1: Yeah, it's an exciting time. We're uh, we're closing in on this draft thing, and uh, you know, I'm trying to filter out all the nonsense and uh, get as dialed in as I can. But it's uh, yeah, it's exciting. This is going to be a very interesting draft coming up in, the, in a couple weeks. Yeah,
0: I want I want to lock in on the Giants picks here. But before we start, you're someone that you know has covered the NFL for a while. You're locked in with a lot of these teams and everything. For someone like you who has contacts around the league and you're trying to sp- You know, stifle through what's real, what's fake, who's telling the truth, who's lying. It's called lying season for a reason. How do you go about that when you're trying to figure out what teams are actually believing and what they're just trying to put out there?
1: Yeah, it's a double-edged sword, I think. And, And I made a mental note to myself a year ago that, hey, pay closer attention to the stuff you hear in February and March, kind of around... You know right after the senior bowl during the combine and you know after that process is over uh pay more attention to that than what you hear kind of at the end of March and in April and leading up to the draft and you know the the connections I made in like my second or third mock draft were a lot stronger in some cases than the ones I made in my fourth or fifth mock draft if that makes sense it does you know that's part of it but the the problem is a lot of teams are just now getting together this week and kind of finalizing their board or putting 95% of it together, you know, with a couple of injury guys, you know, yet to be determined. So that's the tough part. You can actually get really good information at this point, but you just have to be careful for where it comes.
2: Well, and from the Giants' perspective, Eric, I think last year when they picked number two, you know, they only had one team ahead of them. This year, they've got five, so there's a lot of dominoes that are going to fall that obviously is going to shake up the board and so forth. The quarterbacks we know every year, Eric, certainly influence that. From what you've been hearing, from at least what your gut tells you, how much movement do you think there is going to be ahead of the Giants that perhaps could either push a defensive lineman pass rusher to them or somebody else of great value?
1: Yeah, that that's the most fascinating part about where they sit at number 6 is is if it's strictly Kyler Murray at 1, let's just say for argument's sake, Murray goes first. Uh, and then you have, you know, four straight defensive players go. You know, that might be the most predictable way and what you see in a lot of mock drafts and what I've sort of projected and other people have as well. But consider the fact that of the the last 11 first-round quarterbacks to be drafted, 10 of them Got there to teams who traded up. Yep, yep. So, you know, and the one who wasn't was Baker Manfield last year, you know, and the Browns had to feel like they were going to take a quarterback no matter what it won. So, you know, the idea being that, you know, this may not be a great year for quarterbacks compared to last year or maybe even compared to the 2020 class like some people think it could be, but the demand is still high. Even with, you know, only a handful of teams that truly have starting jobs open, you're always thinking about next year and beyond. So, yep. I think there is a chance that somebody could slip ahead of the Giants at number six, just fearing that, hey, look, at some point they got to find Eli's successor. They have the two first round picks, they have 12 choices overall. We've got to be aggressive if we want to get a quarterback and perhaps go all the way up to number three with the Jets to get ahead of Oakland.
0: Eric, simply according to my pre draft rankings, last year I had Darnold as my one, I had Mayfield as my two, Rosen as my three. If, if I'm combining the 19 and 18 classes, I probably slot Murray in ahead of Rosen and then Haskins just behind Rosen. How do you compare the top and even, you know, go to Locke and Greer and Jones if you want, this year's quarterback class compared to last year's?
1: And, and, and you know, right there is, is a great way of looking at it, and yet it's also so tricky because, sure, you know, compa- comparing the skills of Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen, I mean, it's, you know, it's <laughs> apples to oh, come yeah. Blocks, yeah. You know what I mean? It's It's so different, so... It has to be based on what system you're running, who your head coach is, that sort of thing. That's the debate the Cardinals are having right now. But I think I'd be probably in line with that. I might flip-flop. I I liked Rosen coming out last year. I really did. I I thought even with some works, even with some stuff to work through, I liked him. Did last year change my opinion? Sure, a little bit. But he also worked behind a a bad line. You know, I mean, there was a lot going on there. They fired their coordinator, their head coach, et cetera. So that said, I think I'm pretty close to what you have. I mean, I I do think that Dwayne Haskins media stock is higher than his league stock. Do I, there are absolutely teams who like him in the NFL, but it wouldn't completely stun me if he's the third or or possibly even the fourth quarterback taken. I don't think he's going to be the fourth one, but third would not shock me. And I think Drew Locke's. He's got enough suitors and enough people who worry about how far he potentially could fall that he could be the guy who goes ahead of of Dwayne Haskins.
2: Now, it's interesting you say that. Locke may be on the rise. My question is, when you say teams are fearing that he's going to drop, is that just more on potential or more on value, in your opinion? Because those could be two completely different things when you evaluate a quarterback. In terms of Haskins, you mean? Well, no, in terms of Drew Locke when you oh, say right. some teams okay. may fear that if they wait too long you alluded to that he's oh, going right. to drop so my question is is that because they just value him immensely or they just think it's good potential there that they get him into their system and you know two three years down the road he can blossom into a legitimate starter
3: yeah
1: i mean that is what's so interesting about drew too and you know full full disclosure i'm a university of missouri graduate so i've probably seen <laughs> you know as much of any uh, you know i promise i'm not biased on him at all but for a guy with 50 college performances, I mean, he was out there 50 games, which is, you know, more than more than Murray and uh, and uh, Haskins combined. Yeah. In fact, it's almost double what those two guys have done in terms of starts. So he's still viewed as somebody who needs some refinement. You know, I mean, they're, they're, the 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 deep balls are beautiful. The arm strength is elite. He's an underrated athlete. He's got the frame that you know fits the prototype of that classic quarterback. But having just switched from Kind of that, you know, that spread option system that they ran in sixteen and seventeen, to more of a pro style system in two thousand eighteen. You know, the numbers went down, but you saw a guy who improved. And I think the feeling around the league, or at least among a couple teams I've talked to, is that give him some time to learn that kind of an offense. You know, a vertical press the field kind of passing game. You know, work on some of the little things like throwing the ball away, hitting the, the, the checkdowns, taking what a defense gives you drilling that into him and he really could be a pro ball level talent but rush him in there too soon you know get him spooked by the rush confused by you know that kind of stuff all the looks he's going to get maybe he never reaches that point so that that's that's the interesting part for a guy with so much experience i think he still needs some time to kind of incubate but we could say the same about Murray or Haskins, just given sure. the fact yeah. that really only were one-year starters.
0: Eric Edholm covers the NFL draft for Yahoo Sports. Eric, we saw Leonard Williams unexpectedly drop a couple years ago. We've seen other guys drop that no one believes is going to drop in these drafts. Like Jonathan Allen was going to be a top seven or eight pick. He drops in the middle of the first round uh, to the Redskins a couple years ago. What chance is there that one of Bosa, Allen, Williams – drops to the Giants at six, or are they so ensconced at the top of nearly every every NFL draft board, it's just not going to happen?
1: Yeah, I think maybe that the, the flashpoint in those first five picks could either be the Jets at three or the Raiders at four. You know, everybody assumes, okay, Jets could take Allen. That's, you know, he's a local kid. That's the edge rusher they haven't had for 15 years uh you know oakland could just say thank you for quentin williams sure we don't necessarily need a d tackle but you don't find guys like this that's kind of the working assumption i think a lot of people are are going under but both teams have kind of a wild card factor to them in the sense that you know the jets would love to move down and get more picks for everything they paid for sam darrell last year the raiders have three first rounders they can play a little poker and go you know off the grid a little if, if you know, maybe they could blow the Cardinals away and go quarterback. So that kind of throws a wrinkle in there. You know, I don't know. I guess I'd have to say that barring a trade for up into that spot for a QB, it's going to be pretty low. I think those three guys would like, you know, would naturally be the next three off the list. So the chances aren't great. But what if somebody loves Devin White? What if somebody loves Rashawn Gary? At Oliver. if somebody loves one of these? Yeah. yeah, Ed Oliver, I mean, he's, he's another wild-card prospect who, you know, some teams are going to look at him and say, what can't we do with him, right? Yeah. You know, he could do a lot of different things, so that's – that's the X factor. I'm not willing to close it down and say there's no chance, of course, but it's going to take something like that for it to happen, I think.
2: Well, you mentioned the Jets needing pass rushers. Eric, I think it's safe to say the Giants are in the same boat, given the fact that they've parted yep. ways with JPP and Vernon over each of the last two off seasons. So, you know, you just ran through a number of the marquee names that John named. Assuming they're off the board, and let's say the Giants are set on, hey, we think it's good value to go after a pass rusher at six. Who then matches... Number six in value, and it's synonymous with one another. If they wanted to go Montez Sweat or somebody else that you had in mind, who jumps to the forefront in that department?
1: Yeah, I mean, Montez Sweat and Rashawn Gary are such different players, but I could see both being appealing to the Giants. I could see both being options for them for sure, and I suspect there's a higher chance of a pass rusher or a defensive you know, impact guy, a front seven guy going in that spot than a quarterback. I think they'll use that number 17 pick, whether they stay there, or move up, whatever. I think that's possibly the quarterback spot. So at six, yeah, those are those are probably the first two names that come to mind. Again, they're different players. I mean, Rashawn Gary was kind of a power bull rusher, you know, uh, smash the tight end kind of guy and, and set a hard edge. And, you know, his his stats didn't really add up. I actually just wrote him up today for, for Yahoo Sports. But the physical traits are just (laughs) eye opening, you know, and you you don't see guys his size with that kind of foot quickness and speed and all that stuff and upper body strength, you know, Montez Sweat though. Look, I mean, he's got some, some production, the SEC eye popping athletic numbers as well vines for arms, you know, a more polished college player. And yet he's got upside too. So maybe sweat has just a little bit more appeal Uh, in terms of readiness right away and and maybe a perfect fit in that system.
0: And Eric, watching him this year, I'm a sucker for Brian Burns. I think if you're just looking for a guy to get to the quarterback and you're not worrying about the other stuff, I think he has more moves and counters than Montez Sweat. He certainly has more production uh, than a Rashawn Gary. The only thing I worry about, and you know Dave Gediman well, you've covered this league for a while I'm just not sure he's the type of general manager that's going to want a 240 pound guy, which is basically what his playing weight was last year, right? <laughs> Setting the edge for his team. And that's what kind of makes me wonder how good of a fit that might be at six.
1: I agree. I love him as a player for all the reasons you just said. I mean, bending the edge better than yeah. almost anybody in this class. And just you know, the, the rare athleticism and balance. And, you know, and his motor's always hot. There's, there were two guys in college football who had 10 sacks. Or more in five, four fumbles or more. He's one of them. So, you know, it tells you a lot right there. However, based on what Gettleman has done in the past, typically opting for more, you know, the bigger, freakier, stronger kind of athletes, you know, to kind of hold the point and all that stuff, as well as as, did sack production. I agree. I think he's going to go a little bit lower, somewhere in that Green Bay to maybe Washington Redskins Mm -hmm. range, 12 to 17. I personally have him as, as one of my I think top eleven or, or twelve prospects. So it just it's gonna be a, a system fit kind of thing with him and I don't necessarily see him with the Giants.
2: Well, and Eric, when you look at Dave Gettleman's tendencies when he was the general manager of Carolina, he pursued defensive linemen very early in the draft. Offensive linemen he tended to wait on. With that being said, if you look at the Giants' offensive line right now, you can make the argument they could bring in competition at right tackle. I don't think that's a stretch. Jawan Taylor is a name that certainly comes to mind. If they're thinking offensive line at six, how much are they maximizing value if they were to take a guy like Jawan Taylor?
1: Yeah, and I've mocked Taylor number seven to Jacksonville a couple times in a row now. So I mean, you know, could I be wrong? Of course, yeah, absolutely. He might dribble uh, drop a little bit, but I don't think he would get past ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. You know, I mean, Cincinnati, Miami, et cetera. Those are all teams that you know. Even the Packers, I think, you know, at twelve, those are all teams that would scoop him up in a second. And I do believe he's worth taking in that top twelve, thirteen range. So. You know, value wise, would it be a horrendous reach if they took him at six? Absolutely not. You know, so I think it's, there's a possibility of that. But given our, you know, what we kind of ran through before, I think there's a good chance defense is a pick. If it's not, though, I see no problem in in going Juwan Taylor there. I mean, Burns is the one guy who seemed to kind of give him a little bit of trouble. And, and, you know, that that kind of tells you something. I mean, he's held up well against SEC competition.
0: Joined by Eric Edholm, NFL Draft Analyst, Yahoo Sports. The only other guy I think they would consider at six, Eric, and I don't know what the draft would looks like, but just from, in my opinion, is Devin White. You mentioned him earlier. Uh, everyone seems to think he's going to Tampa Bay. It's either the worst kept, kept secret in the league or it's the best smokescreen ever. And it could be either one. We don't know which. How do you think he impacts the game the most? He's a bigger kid. You don't get bigger middle linebackers, you know, you've you more guys coming out that look like Devin Bush than you have looking like Devin White these days, right? Where do you think he comes in and is really good right away? And do you think he is impact as an off-ball linebacker, which generally doesn't have the value as guys that, you know, that, that rush to pass? Uh, is that six for the Giants if they decide to go in White's direction?
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he certainly would be a name that you'd have to throw into the mix. And he's <laughs> – watching him is uh, a lot of fun. I mean, he is a – high-energy, high-impact player. A former running back who lost a lot of weight. He came in, I think, around 250 or 60 pounds, slimmed down, really muscled up, turned into this, you know, this heat-seeking missile at linebacker. Does he play a little out of control at times? Yes. But, you know, look, James Betcher has always had aggressive football players on his football team, right? I mean, he's built from the inside out in a lot of cases, or he's helped, you know, kind of harness that on his defense in the past, whether it was Arizona or what have you would he be a fit yes he would absolutely i think he'll in time he'll be a tackle machine i think he'll be a three down linebacker you know is he outstanding and crisp and perfect in his in his coverage right now no but i've never you know just talking to people at lsu and talking to people around the league there's no doubt that he has the potential to be very good in all facets he could be a blitz guy you know he could shock tight ends off the line if you wanted him to play more of a sam role you know, I think he could do a lot, and he could spy <laughs> quarterbacks, too, which, you know, if you face those athletic guys who can move around a little bit, it's a nice thing to have when you're playing, you know, 11-on-11 11 11 football with an athletic scrambler. So
0: Yeah, Carson Wentz, Dak I, I Prescott, really like and Kyla Murray. Bush
1: might be a little, a little cleaner. I have to, you know, Bush might just be a little bit more of a refined football player, yeah. but we're splitting hairs. Both those guys are great.
2: Well, Eric, if the Giants take a linebacker in the first round, we'll have to stop throwing out one of my favorite statistics because the Giants haven't taken a linebacker in the first round since 1984 with our colleague Carl Banks. So it would be quite refreshing if the Giants do go in that direction. I want to jump to pick 17 for the Giants since they do have two first-rounders. And earlier you had mentioned... If it's going to be six, it's likely going to be a defensive player. 17, maybe, you get into the conversation of quarterback. And I know John posed the comparison of last year's class with some of these quarterbacks. If the Giants get to 17, and that is where they want to target a quarterback. Once again, from a value standpoint, I know you've been following Drew Locke, but the Daniel Joneses of the world, the Will Greers of the world, how much does value equate to 17 there with respect to those two guys?
1: Yeah, I would. I would feel like it wouldn't be the best value if they got their, Daniel Jones there. However, you can't ignore the connections that are made there. I mean, I, you you hear enough talk around the league that. They like him. They think he's a perfect fit. And if that's the case, he's going to have higher value to the Giants than he would to maybe some other teams who haven't been as enamored with this play. First of all, he's a smart kid. He's big. He's sneaky athletic. I know we always say that about the white quarterbacks (laughs) who can run every now and then, but really go watch the North Carolina game. You see him as featured as a runner. Uh, The toughness is there. Broke his collarbone against Northwestern, came back three weeks later, had one of his best games or at least one of his best halves against Virginia tech. So I mean, I get why there's some real fascination with him as a prospect. The arm talent is so-so. Didn't have a great Senior Bowl week prior to the game. Played well in the game, but I I still say that feels like a reach, even with the value, even with the you know the the draft value of quarterbacks and how quickly they get snapped up. I would rather take you know Greer or somebody like that later on, Ryan Finley, whoever else in round two or three or four, somebody in that range that I would Jones at seventeen. However. If you feel good about a guy and feel like you can nail his projection and believe that studying under Eli, that whole David Cutcliffe connection, I I can connect those dots and feel better about it than I would to another team picking him in that range.
0: You know, Eric, I think if you're the Giants, you're sitting there at 17. There are a few things that I that I think about in terms of who's going to be left. To me, your next best pass rusher on the board is probably going to be Cleveland Ferrell. I'm going to guess both Sweat and Burns are off the board at that point. At the offensive yep. tackle spot, I think one of Dillard, Williams, and Ford will be left. I don't know which one, but yep. I think one will probably be left. And then you're looking, hmm, maybe Devin Bush is still on the board. Maybe Greedy Williams is still on the board. Who do you think might slip to that 17 spot, which I think is a chance to be a real good value spot? Might be one of the last spots where you're going to get a guy with an actual first-round grade on this board in this year's draft. What are you looking at at 17 and some of the guys you might be looking at that could bring real good value to the giants at that spot?
1: Yeah, and who's to say, right? Let's say that you know they just they, they can't pull the trigger on a quarterback there, and they, and they're talking about you know the scenario that, that you're just laying out right there, which is, hey, these are all knee positions for us. There's multiple options at both. you know, we, we could go defense, we could go offensive tackle, we you know even receiver, I wouldn't yeah. rule it out. I mean no. I'm not saying that's the route they would go, but you never know. So who's to say that they couldn't even drop down a few spots from there, pick up a little more ammo, and then try to trade from that early second-round pick back in round one? Wouldn't that be a – you know what I mean? Wouldn't that be a, a power play by Gettleman or a really interesting maneuvering? So, yeah, I mean, if, if that's the the landscape and they have all these options there, to me, Greedy Williams, I think, is going to last a little longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that long corner type is very attractive in the NFL, et cetera. You know, he might just be scratching the surface.
0: But I Eric, you think, know what? I mean, to me Eric, you know what yeah, really Re-
1: Re- looks really good to me. Hey, I just I really like his game.
0: Yeah, Eric, really quick on Greedy Williams. I watched him yesterday extensively. That dude does not want to tackle anybody. And I, I just <laughs> can't and, I, and and I just can't imagine Dave Gettleman who likes guys that play that way, would want to draft yeah. a guy at seventeen that doesn't want to tackle anybody.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think the thing is that it I made sure to go back and look at some 17 tape. He's more of an ankle grabber yes. and a diver and that sort of thing. He's not like, I'm going to rip your face off kind of a tackler. And, you know, the A&M game, the Georgia game, those weren't pretty tapes for him. Like, it was towards the end of the year. there was There's a belief around the LSU program that he was kind of, preserving himself for the draft. Didn't want to get hurt. Didn't want to unnecessarily uh, affect his draft stock. Factor that in how you may. Other guys have done it and and come out looking fine. So, you know, he skipped the bowl game. So, you know, if you kind of look at it from that perspective, I I get it. But he's going to have to be system-specific. Oh, yeah. I I don't think you want him playing off-man or just, you know, in a cover-two system or something like that. I think you have to have him pressing receivers – You know, and and taking full advantage of that lengthy
2: ass. Well, Eric, I'm glad you brought up wide receivers when we were talking about 17. Because I'm with you; I wouldn't overlook that position, even though you may say, "Hey, it's not an overwhelming need." But if they want to go younger at the position, they want to groom somebody on a rookie deal, it does make sense. I
0: think early second round too for that. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely.
2: So, with that being said, Eric, you know, if I throw out the DK Metcalfs of the world, the Marquise Browns, the AJ Browns. Who is appealing? Who are you highest on amongst the wide receivers that may be around 17 or, to John's point, high in the second round?
1: Yeah, I mean, they've really kind of taken, you know, if you look at Gettleman's history, he's taken kind of two types of receivers. The the Devin Funchess type, right yep. the big sort of physically gifted guy with the vines for arms and, and you know, maybe some untapped potential. But then also the, you know, kind of the uh, Curtis Samuel type yep. who's yep. the – you know, a little bit of the more of the shifty guy, Paris Campbell from Ohio state is, is the guy that looks a lot like him. However, they just find golden Tate, And that's kind of what he does best. In my opinion, the bubble screens, making, you know, breaking tackles, that sort of thing. I would guess there's a, there's a better chance. They go for the big physical type. They have Shepard, they have Tate. So if that's the case, you know, in keel, Harry from Arizona state makes a lot of sense. Um, you know AJ Brown, a little bit more sawed off, but still has that big sort of high V-cut. You know, almost a, a running backs like build to him. Is Metcalf going to slip? We don't know, but that would be a fun debate if he kind of gets into the late teens or early twenties. What do you do then? I just, I just spec, suspect, excuse me, that of the two kind of prototypes that he's kind of favored in the past, I would go with the more, the longer, bigger. Yep. You know go up and get it type of receiver
0: last question for from me for Eric at home covers the NFL draft for Yahoo Eric go to that top pick in the second round Um, it is the 37th overall pick where do you think you might have somebody slip? Uh where what you know, a lot of times you get these positions with where there's a lot of good players and one just might get lost in the shuffle where a team doesn't have a need and he happens to fall. Where do you think you might get some sneaky value at thirty seven? One guy I'm keeping an eye on is Dalton Reisner out of Kansas State if they don't go offensive tackle in uh with their first two picks.
1: Uh, and he's and he's you know, he fits the, the mold of the same type of player that Will Hernandez was yep. in college. Hernandez was a guard only. guy. Reisner could be a guard, a tackle. Some people think he can play center. He's got maybe a little more versatility, but, you know, kind of that strong older guy, physically developed, plays with an ornery edge, a leader. He's been great in the community. I mean, he's done stuff for, you know, underprivileged children. He would instantly step in and be kind of a a young leader on the team. And there's a lot to like about it. Maybe his upside isn't tremendous. You kind of know what you get almost, but that's, you know, for a team that has some needs and, and, You've already picked a couple of players that might have a little more of a projection to him. That's a great fallback option if he's there. You know, I've heard some late first-round talk, you know, first talk about him. I don't know if he ultimately slips there, but that's a good one. Cornerback is, corner is a really interesting spot. We mentioned Greedy. Would it stun me if he slipped into the early parts of round two? No. Would it wow. shock me if DeAndre Baker from Georgia is in that same range? No, it would not. So The problem is that position drops off. And if you don't get one in the first 50 or 60 picks, I would say, then you're really fishing for some projects in in round three and beyond.
2: Eric, last one for me. Speaking of the subject of depth, I think it goes without saying pass rush defensive line is by far one of the deepest positions in this year's class. I'm curious, though, your perspective as the Giants start to go into the later rounds, is there a position that people are overlooking? where there are going to be valuable finds outside of the most popular positions, such as defensive lineman and pass rush.
1: I would say tight end. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't know, you know, how high they prioritize that position. I know they spent obviously Evan Ingram was a, was a high pick a few years ago, but you know, you can find kind of both the blocking types and the receiving types and a couple of combo guys who do both well. Dax Raymond out of Utah state is a really interesting one. So, somebody in that fourth, fifth, sixth-round range is going to get somebody. You know, there's a lot of projecting going on with this San Diego State kid, uh, Kahali Warring, yep. who's only played limited football. Uh, Dawson Knox from Ole Miss, like a gifted athlete who, you know, he's just kind of learn He was a former quarterback, just kind of learning the finer points of the position. Jay Sternberger from a and M. I I think he goes higher than that. but. The point is, there's a lot of like guesswork with these tight ends, but there's no doubt that that's a position that I, you know, the first time in about four or five years where I get back to maybe that, uh, you know, it's been a couple drafts now where that position has been as loaded. So that's a that's a spot where I think smart teams will just say, hey, we may not need one right away. Yeah. But if there's that perfect fit for us or that guy that we think has eye upside, grab him. Just take him in round four or five and and let's get the good value there.
0: Yeah, I think Foster Moreau from LSU, another guy that yeah. kind of showed up at the combine, and wow, that, those are some great numbers, but he didn't put up any numbers during the year, but of course, LSU doesn't really throw the ball much either. So it's one of those deals where you kind of yep. have to find one of those gems and develop them. Eric, great stuff. We really appreciate the time, and we'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the chaos of the next two weeks you try to figure out who's lying and who's telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Eric.
1: I appreciate it. Talk to you soon.
0: You too. That's Eric at home. Does a great job for Yahoo. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, as well, does an excellent job. He's Eric underscore at home, E-D-H-O-L-M. All right, everybody, let's get to your phone calls at 201-939-4513. It's all presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants Prizes. We'll get to the request line later on in the show as well. Let's start out, Mr. Meadow, unless you have a re- reaction to that real quick no, before we I go think, to Rob. I uh,
2: think Eric pretty much summed up everything beautifully.
0: Let's go to Rob in South Windsor, then to lead us off. Robbie. How are we doing? We're great, Rob. What's up?
2: doing great Uh,
3: great interview first of all Uh, I'm a draft geek and uh, I'm obsessed with it
4: but
1: my question is who's going to be the uh, surprise pick this is either an NFL question or a Giants specific question but who's going to be the uh, Denzel Ward of this year's draft you know either by position or by player that really surprises you an example I would use would be like TJ Hawkinson at at 6 or even at 17 um,
3: really moving up in the draft and surprising people by um, where they're drafted
0: for the Giants or just in general in the draft? Which one are you looking you for? You
3: could do you could do either
5: one
0: um, or boy. both. What boy? That's a good question. I think somebody's going to take Rashawn Gary too high. Um, but for me, taking Rashawn Gary too high is picking him in the top ten. I think would it shock me if he went off the board to like Oakland at four or at all? You know that would not shock me given how Oakland likes to take you know kind of the big strong athletic types and then develop them. Um, I think everyone is pretty high in El Oliver, so I don't think he's a guy that's that's gonna go too high. I it's think somebody's question. gonna
2: be aggressively pursuing Drew Locke mm-hmm. in terms of the quarterback. I, I think he's gonna go much higher than perhaps most people yeah. project. So I mean that would be maybe my surprise. Denzel Ward, I, I think is a good example that you brought up from last year. He was but a top ten guy. That's but what he I went was gonna say. Five, I mean, right? Ward was still a highly projected talent. It was just You think to yourself, when Cleveland was picking and, you know, you had Chubb still on the board and you said to yourself, well, you put him with Miles Garrett and you already got your quarterback, I mean, just run the card up and they knew, hey, Need was a big part of the conversation. They didn't have any corners from the previous season. They decided to go with Denzel Ward. I'll be the first one to say I thought they made a mistake, and and I thought Chubb would have been the wiser selection. But the early results have been very positive. Denzel Ward's coming off an extremely productive rookie campaign.
0: I think a better example last year, honestly, would have been Colton Miller, who I think was just a huge reach for the Raiders where they picked him, what, 12 or third 10 maybe even last year and i i thought he was a late first early second round pick and so you want to f- kind of find that guy that the team will fall in love with the traits and say oh well you know if we always we coach him up he's going to be able to become that type of player <sighs> Hmm, that's a Miller good question 15 by the way he, Oh, he year. went 15 yeah, i still 15. i still think that was way too high um you know, i, I, that's a good I question. think
1: that teams like that like the giants this year that have multiple picks in the first round have a with their second pick in that first round have a chance of maybe doing a surprise pick like the Cleveland Browns did last year? You know, reaching for um, with a need rather than going with the best player available.
0: Yeah, no, I hear you. Appreciate the call, man. Thanks a lot. It's a really yep. good question. I, I don't know who is going to There's always at least one or two reach guys, and he's absolutely well, right. It happens every single year. I don't see any names that jump out of me right now.
2: Well, but the thing is, it's all reach based on the projections of the draft. So Ward, the reason why I think that's a good example, yeah, a number of people at the time thought it was a reach. Then you look at how he produced as a rookie; right. it's not really a reach. Well, I if mean, a good production, it's not a reach. Yeah, you just don't see five ten corners usually go that high. I get high. that, yeah. right? But I mean, it's all about if the guy winds up producing. Hey, kudos to the team for oh, uh, doing its homework and no, it's a good pick. You know, rolling the dice and, and it working out, but. Somebody, I'm sure, is going to be fascinated with some of these pass rushers, even though there's a great deal of depth at that position, and they're going to say, hey, we need somebody to get after the quarterback. We're going to aggressively take somebody, meaning after the first five or six are off the board and maybe you think there's going to be a slight droppage at that spot, I think somebody is going to perhaps be impatient because they're going to be worried if they wait too long all of these guys are going to be off the board. And they're probably going to take one of these pass rushers. I can guarantee you that that's going to happen. It's just a matter of when's the run going to end on those guys? Is it going to be a 10? Is it going to go into the teens? I think that remains to be seen. Because remember, some of the linebackers you would put in that conversation, guys that could be tweaked or the hybrid player that could work at a 3-4 versus a 4-3. So really depends on where you draw the line in pass rushers. but. I think there's going to be a, a strong run between the linebackers slash defensive linemen, and then you're going to get to a point where there's not a lot of depth anymore, and I think somebody's going to probably reach because hey, Montez, they need that
0: position. And I think it's going to be, I think Montez Sweat's going to go higher than he That's should. fair. Going into the senior bowl, and I talked to you guys about this from Alabama when I called into the shows. Going into the senior bowl, I thought he was a good prospect, not a great prospect. At the senior bowl, I thought he did fine. I didn't think he was dominant. And then at the combine, he goes up, and I think when you look for a reach, I think you find the reaches, you look for the guys who combine numbers are a lot better than their production, right? So you got teams that say, boy, if we just get this guy in our room, and we can coach him up and we can take advantage of all those elite athletic skills, we can make it happen, right? And I think not that Sweat's going to be a bad player, but I think people might draft him thinking he's drafting him in a position where they think he might be a Joey Bosa or a Khalil Mack or a player of that caliber when he's going to be closer to a player of a Chris Long caliber. You know what I mean? Meaning where, a
2: solid veteran but won't be nearly yeah, as disruptive consistently a solid, as a Bosa. Yeah, I, I'm,
0: I don't i do not think... I'm not i am not sure he's going to be a perennial pro bowler is my point. And now you don't have to be in order to be a first-round pick. No, not at all. But if he gets picked in the top five where if somebody falls in love with the combine numbers, that to me is overdrafting him. 201, 939, yeah, nine, 4513. That's just the name I'm throwing out there. Let's go to Antonio. Manhattan's up next. Hey, Antonio.
5: Hey, what's going on, guys? How's everything going?
0: We're doing great, man. What's up?
5: Uh, So I want to talk about how I think it's time for the New York Giants to uh, go ahead and pick a middle linebacker at that number six spot if Kyler Murray, for some reason, is is, is not available. I think that Kyler Murray is the only quarterback that we should move up to go and get. We shouldn't go after Haskins. Just because Haskins, um, after, you know, a lot of people have broken him down. It's pretty much he had a lot of talent around him, and he's not a pretty good deep ball thrower. Um, and, and we shouldn't bring somebody here who's not a really good deep ball well, thrower. Well, totally Antonio,
0: remember, he could improve in that area. I mean, that is possible. Yeah, so, but th- that's a projection. Now, you said right. move up to take Murray. What would yeah. you be willing to trade to Arizona? To go up there and get Murray, what would you be willing to put on the Whoa, table? Well,
5: let's just say that that Arizona took Bosa, they didn't take Murray. Because here's the thing, here's what I think: if Bosa, if if they take um, if they take Murray, we're gonna get a really good chance to get uh the Arizona current Kirby. what's his name um, Rosen, Rosen, yeah. Because here's this my just out of uh, Getterman's philosophy, he valued Jabril Peppers as a number one pick, so. Rosen is was a number one pick, so I think that we would be the team to give up a number one pick for rosen. I think that we and we will give up the sixth the seventeenth overall pick for for Rosen, I'll be happy for that okay it, listen and Fair. honestly, I'll even be happy if we give up the number six for Rosen because mm. that is a franchise quarterback. I know it would suck, but you know i hey listen, if you're gonna value him as a first rounder and you you value peppers for as a first rounder. Just do it. Let's just get it. Let's let's make sure that we have our next quarterback for the next ten to fifteen years. But if we don't get either one, if we can't get Rosen, if we can't get um, if we can't get uh, Kyle, let's just go ahead and draft Devon White. The importance of a middle linebacker to a defense is unlike any other. People, for some reason, have played down what a middle linebacker does. A linebacker solely affects everything in a defense, from the line to the secondary. If he's a good cover guy, the secondary has to cover less. If he's a good, pa- is because pass rusher, the secondary doesn't have to be as ball in the run. I mean, in the in the, in the yeah, in, in defending the the,
2: the pass. Well, rusher. I mean, you look at a Luke Kuechly and a Leighton Van Der Esch. Yeah, absolutely, exactly. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of exactly. value in a two way linebacker soldier. who could stop the run mm-hmm. and cover. No doubt about it.
5: Perfect. So it, it's just how it's just how crazy how people have just completely you know. Yes, I understand pass rusher, pass rusher, pass rusher. But again, and I hate to bring these guys up because these guys are the, the exception to everything, but during the regular season, you, England had the same amount of sacks as we did. But what they did really well was stop the run incredibly better than us. So
0: Well, they also we covered much better. The, how
5: yeah. about this? Say it again?
0: I said they also covered in the secondary a lot better than the Giants. That was that's, the Patriots' greatest true. strength. And it's funny, if you, if, Tony, if you look at it, the one place where the Patriots invest their money and keep the guys on their team, it's in the secondary. They value the ability to cover more than any other team in the league.
2: Devin McCourty, they re-signed. They brought in Stephon Gilmore. Gilmore. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they had the guys on the back end that can make up for the lack of sacks, to your point. And you're right. New England and the Giants were equivalent. They finished with the same amount of sacks. But the biggest difference is, on the back end, it was apples and oranges.
0: Now, Antonio, here's the trick, though. And I I know you're going to talk about Devin White then at six. The tricky thing with him, though, is that... He's not there as a coverage guy right now. He's someone you're going to have to develop as a coverage guy. He has all the physical traits and ability to do it, but there is some development that's going to have to happen in
2: that area. Well, and here's the other thing. Ah. Gettleman comes from the school of philosophy with respect to Ernie Accorsi and the Giants, which is trenches. And I, I'm not much, saying right. that linebackers are not valuable to your point. I just, I would personally right. be surprised if he went in the direction of a linebacker. I, I think he looks at more of winning the battle up front as opposed right. to winning the battle at the second level. Not to say that linebackers are not valuable. Like I said, give me Keekly and Leighton Van Vanderage. Give me Sean Lee when he's fully healthy any day of the week or right. twice on Sunday. I just, from a ph- philosophical standpoint, I'd be surprised if they go in that direction.
5: Now here's the question that I have to you guys, and I'll get off the phone. So, if at six, what? So we, I'm, I'm sure we're not going to go defensive tackle because we do have pretty t- two guys that we're comfortable with. Who, which end would you like? Would you guys like to see at six getting picked?
2: Well, I mean, who knows who's going to be left over? I, Thanks I would for the say, yeah, certainly.
5: Look you, you guys. Would would you guys like to see if if you guys could pick any end? Well, with the exception of Bosa, who's gonna. Well, get that's picked. the guy I
2: was gonna
0: say. Well, Josh Allen <laughs> would be number two. Yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. Or Allen, because those guys, those guys look like they're gonna be locked for the top three, and right?
2: If, yeah, go ahead, Lance. I'm no, sorry. I was just gonna say if if Quinnen Williams is there, yeah, I mean, I, I would too. take him. Mm-hmm. I think he's got enough versatility where you move him in, you move him out, you run up okay. the card, and you take him. And He'd be third on my list. Thank you, Antonio. Appreciate the call. I I I, where I where
0: where I would go, and where I'm sitting right now. Look, I value stopping the run. It's important. But you need a guy on passing downs to get after the quarterback. You just do. And I say with a good amount of confidence that the guy, again, past Bosa and Allen, that I feel most confident about getting to the passer consistently in this draft is Brian Burns. And again, I don't think he fits you know, the type of player that Gettleman usually likes, which is a guy that's going to be a little bit bigger and a little bit stouter. But Dave have him and also has said, look, I need a guy to affect the quarterback. And I think Brian Burns has a better chance of consistently affecting the quarterback than either Montez Sweat, Cleveland Farrell, or Rashawn Gary. And the other guy, by the way, who affects the quarterback, but not from the outside, is that Oliver, who, by the way, I think you can move outside in certain circumstances too. And a really good three technique that can get after the quarterback, like a Geno Atkins, like a Fletcher Cox, I'm not going to throw Aaron Donald's name out there, but he's a unique, all-time great player. I don't think it's fair to compare anybody to him. I think Ed Oliver could be somebody you look at there too if you really think that he can affect the quarterback
2: from the inside, which is more effective than an outside pass rush. Hey, if you get Fletcher Cox in the first round, i take Fletcher Cox. Oh, you yeah. get Brandon Graham in the first round, i will take Brandon Graham. I'm referring to two Eagles defensive linemen who have been extremely effective since the Eagles selected them. So I have no problem... With that comparison, you know Burns has an extremely high motor. You know that's also I think a- a appealing about him, and I think that that perhaps would make executives interested in him. But remember, you know they're also going to get James Betra's feedback too, John. I'm not saying that Betrue oh, yeah, is going to sure. be, you know, the end all be all. But I'm sure tr- if you're Dave Getman, how do you not go to James Betrue and say, James, if we drafted Brian Burns sixth overall, how do you plan on? Well, and so? by the way, did you see what happened in free agency?
0: Do you think they take James Betcher's advice? They just signed a million people that played for him with the Cardinals. So I think Exactly. They do. Yeah. Marcus Golden ringing a bell. And like how much different Antoine Bethe? And how much different from a physical standpoint is he than Chandler, who the Cardinals had as their number one pass rusher. I'll look at his I'm curious to see what his um what his uh measurables were coming out of squad. I'll look it up. Uh, and I'll get to that in the meantime let's go to the next
2: caller is James Chandler also not to cut you off yeah. Was acquired remember from the Patriots Correct. and changed positions Yeah, was moved off the line of scrimmage when he was with Arizona James and New Rivers up next hey James
3: hey how are you fellas doing today I'm All doing right, great how are you I'm doing well uh, yeah I kind of want to piggyback on what you're talking about Burns um, he's my most practical um, pass rusher that I'd like to see um, obviously somebody could fall but I think, um, you know, I, th- I feel like he's actually a, a whole foot ahead of the other Sweat, Gary, um, any of those other tier pass rushers. I think Burns has, like you had mentioned, the motor. He's got the speed. He's got real moves. Um, and I noticed when I was watching Samantha Sweat, it seems like he gets a lot of his, you know, production from, quarterback scrambling into him, um, just kind of dirty plays. So it's not really him dominating or winning with any real moves. It's just he's kind of in the right place or they, he falls off onto him. Um, Brian Burns is the opposite. He's he's out there, um, you know, like you said, just making the plays – with actual yeah. skills and, and also
0: and, things. and just to show the accuracy of that, pro football focus keeps track of pressures, right? Which includes, you know, not only sacks but getting to the quarterback. And Burns led the whole college country in terms of pressures last year. So he's someone that certainly gets to the quarterback consistently. And I was right, Jones is much longer and bigger. He was six five, two sixty five coming out of college. Burns is not nearly uh the size of a Chandler Jones. So just just FYI right. as a comparison.
3: Yeah. One other thing um about that, um where I noticed like Montez Sweat was the second defensive lineman that teams were worried about. Jeffrey Simmons um was
0: he was good. Yeah.
3: You know, up until it, up until his injury, he was the defender that they were primarily focused on. And even then it wasn't like Montez Sweat was just dominating off the edge. Um and Rashawn Gary, I'm not interested in the guy who was to starts the sports agency. Um, before he even gets in the league, and you know, had all the coaching um, in the world, and, you know, it's like every year Michigan defensive linemen go in the top two rounds, and you know, this guy, you um, know, has all this potential, and just the idea that he's just all of a sudden going to turn it on in the NFL is. Um, well, uh, reach, yeah. in my
2: opinion. I mean, that's a big question mark. The sack production is not overwhelming for him. And I mean, as Eric was mentioning, and you know, anybody that's watched him, he's a bull rusher. He's not necessarily a guy that's going to come off the edge and just wow you. He just tries to overpower everybody. So, you know, that's a lot of potential. And reading into okay, if he could do it on the offensive lineman in the Big Ten, can he now do that against offensive linemen on the NFL level? That to me is a big question mark.
3: I agree. Um, I'll get off the line here. I want to make one prediction. Um, so, as we were you know, a caller or two ago had mentioned the big surprise pick. Um, my – I don't think it will happen, but I could see it happening, is Jets end up going off into tackle, um, which puts Quinn and Williams randomly sliding because then Oakland justifies not picking them because they have Maurice Hurst. And then the next thing you know um, – Williams is sliding a bit and I know how you guys had mentioned Leonard Williams and um, the kid from Alabama who went to Washington those were all interior Jonathan defensive Allen. linemen yeah. so it seems like those are the types of guys that end up sliding um, across teams in the board and that sort of gives you an insight into how teams value Well just out of curiosity though
2: who do you think the Jets are going to take on the offensive line James? I mean I agree with you they well, need offensive linemen but I mean what, you think they're going to take Jawan Taylor that high?
3: No, no, I, well, you know, I'm actually um, a pro football focus guy, um, and they
0: they like John have Williams. Jonah Williams. Yeah. Jonah
3: Williams, I mean, he started off the whole process, you know, as a potential top five guy, and he's graded out really well. Um, you know, if the arms aren't an issue for him, maybe they're just trying to protect, uh, protect Sam Darnold and, you know, take the top OT in, in their mind.
2: Thank you, James. I Appreciate the call, I Appreciate the phone call. And from a need, I can't argue with that. I mean, the Jets certainly need offensive line help. I just— I don't understand why they weren't more aggressive trying to go after that for agency.
0: I get it gets expensive and everything, but—
2: Oh, I mean, listen, in their evaluation, they may have not thought that the money warranted the talent, and I can't necessarily blame them. They
0: so much cap space. No, they did. They they certainly could afford it.
2: Yeah. 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 They may have their eyes on an offensive lineman— you know, later on in the draft too, I, I would not necessarily dismiss that. I, I believe they gave up their second round pick. I think uh, so in, in the Darnell you know, trade. Yeah, yes, so they don't correct. have that. Mm-hmm. So you know, it is a risky move. But I don't know if I love the Jets taking Jonah Williams uh, that high. I, I think if I'd I'm be surprised. By if that. I'm the Jets, I think I'm going to do everything in my power to move down if I truly want to try to maximize this draft, get some picks
0: back. I'm with you. Two zero one Let's go to Joe in South Carolina. He's up next. Hey, Joe.
2: Lead. I can't argue with that. Joe, it. you got to listen Hello. through your phone, not the computer. Yeah, Joe, do me a favor. Yeah.
0: Turn the volume on your computer down and then listen through the phone, okay?
2: Is that all right? Yeah, sounds yep. good
0: now, Joe. Go ahead.
6: Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. I've <laughs> uh, been watching um, Big Blue Kickoff. up Yep. Live for many years. Yeah, and we appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. Excuse me. Um, my concern has to do with the uh, draft and uh, what's looking at what's there. I'd like to see him take a quarterback on the first round, uh, offensive tackle on uh, uh I don't know, sixteenth, seventeenth. That trade from Cleveland. Yep. And that'll solidify the offense. And then with all the picks we got, I think we had about twelve. Mm-hmm. And you that'd be two, so you get ten and and then in the early second round then I'd start you know, bolstering up the uh defensive line and backfield. Now you got Two good guys in the uh, safety Peters, I think, and uh, Jenkins, the quarter cornerback, quarter And uh, as for the ends and tackles, that uh, that ha- has to really be worked on sufficiently. So what are your comments?
2: Well, I, I think, Joe, and appreciate the phone call. Thanks Thank so much you, for weighing in. I don't think you could ever go into a draft, and and I know fans love to make up a board, John. You can't go in first round. We need a quarterback. Second round, Dude, we need an offensive line. You should
0: have heard the caller I took yesterday.
2: <laughs> he literally went through all twelve <laughs> oh picks my God. and wow, listed. Get through that what. Possession,
0: what? what position he wanted in all 12 picks. Oh, and goodness. I haven't gone back and looked at the video, and nobody has screenshotted. I thought they would, but there was definitely a lot of like face palming and yeah, just well, like. I'm surprised you let him get through all uh, 12.
2: But, and I'm not criticizing the last call, I'm just saying. No, 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 no. I, I don't, you can't ever go into a draft harping on one position. If the value of the player meets the need of the position, Correct. then it obviously makes sense. And and I get what he's saying in terms of need right now on the roster, but, you know, for example, one of the things he pointed out, you know, wait till later on the draft to fill some of the voids on the defensive line. Well, you know, right now the Giants are in need, you can argue, of not a Complimentary guy that you're just going to rotate in there, John. No, no, they're in need no. of a premier pass rush. They're in need of a, need of a few premier yeah. guys, okay? So <laughs> that's not something you just push off till round four or five, and eh, you know, somebody will just drop right into our hands. That's why I don't love the philosophy of quarterback this round, offensive lineman, and so forth. I think you got to pinpoint an exact player that you'd like, right. and I think that would maybe warrant an argument. Okay, I like Will Greer. I want him at 17. Okay, well, why do you want Will Greer? As opposed to, I just want a quarterback. Now that's dangerous.
0: And I think if you look at it this way, and whether you go, you know, quarterback at six, offensive tackle at seventeen, or, or vice versa, you look at you know Haskins and a Cody Ford, or a, you know Daniel Jones and a you know Juwan Taylor. However you set it up, I like the idea of putting the best possible offensive line in front of your yeah. young rookie quarterback. I think that's a great thing. You know, you got Kevin Zeitler on their contract for multiple years, Will Hernandez, Nate Solder, Spencer Pulley if he wins the center job, and then you have your rookie right tackle too. So you're looking at a unit that's going to be together for years in front of a young quarterback that's trying to develop. That's really advantageous. I'm down for that. Just understand that also means that you're behind the eight ball on defense, and you're going to have a lot of trouble stopping people this year because – While they filled holes in free agency, like they brought Marcus Golden in as a pass rusher, they brought Bethea in as a safety. um, Peppers. They drove Peppers, obviously, in the trade. Those are guys that are going to help you and be good players, but they're not going to be difference makers, right? And if you're not using either of your first-round picks on a difference maker on defense, you might run into some problems this year. But that doesn't mean it's not the right thing to do. If those two guys are your highest graded players, when you go and you pick, go with them. Go for it. Yeah, but just understand that means you're gonna have to score a lot of points this year if you're gonna want to win. Well, games.
2: and then we're gonna get into conversations like we did last season, where you had a number of close games, right. and the offense put you ahead, and then the defense went back on on the field, and it was a challenge to hold on to the lead. And remember, Olivier Vernon. Was on the team last year late in those games, and he's not here anymore. And he was one of the most established pass rushers on the roster. So you take him out of the equation. Yes, you add Marcus Golden, who had a breakout campaign in 16 with James Betcher, but he's also slowly working his way back from a serious injury. And this will be now two years removed. You hope that he can start to get his legs back under him. But you need balance. This fascination with you're going to field the team that's going to go out and score 35 points a game and you're going to win like the Kansas City Chiefs. And I get it, Kansas City was one game away from the Super Bowl. But you know what? When they needed their defense to step up, the Kansas City Chiefs defense did not step up. So Patrick Mahomes, I think, is a great player. I think what Andy Reid has put together... Has done a great job on offense. But when they needed the other facet of their team to come through, John, they did not deliver. And that's why we're having debates about whether or not each team should have a possession in overtime. Why are we talking about that? We're talking about that because one of the elite teams in the NFL did not have balance on their team. So you got to be very careful when you start hyping up the offense and forget about the other side. You don't win games when you have a lopsided team. But Lance, the defense is only bad because the offense didn't score enough and they were on the field too much, remember? Yeah, they were worn down. So, we've got to give them extra bottles of water and oxygen masks. Yeah, that's how you build up a good football roster. What do I know? Time to go to the request line. Oh. My God. <laughs> All right, so this is something when new that this we're trying to week. It started
0: yesterday. Um, well, so I was talking more about the music. That's I, what I was talking I about. I also loaded that in yesterday. <laughs> All right, well, I wanted the correct timeline in front of me. No, that music is uh, that, that's some old school hip hop from like the late 80s. Well, story, it sounded like right it, yeah. yes. So, basically, here's what we're doing for the request line, folks. You send us a tweet. Hashtag giant stat and hashtag request line of a player that you want us to talk about here on the show. I'll go and I'll make sure I do some work on him. I'll look at tape. I'll come on the show and I'll give you a little one one minute, 90 second spiel about the player. So uh, this week it was Bill Goodham, at Bill Goodham on Twitter. He wanted me to talk about a guy that I hadn't looked at yet. And this is why this is fun. It gives me a reason to look at some guys that maybe could be a day three pick that we don't don't know a lot about. So he wanted me to look at Deontay Johnson, a wide receiver out of Toledo. Who was one of the best return guys in college last year? And I'll start there because the reason I'm not sure he'll be a fit for the Giants, they just traded for an elite return guy in, in Jabril Pepper. So, and they have Corey Coleman, too. Right. And Johnson's value to a team in the draft will be as a receiver and as a returner. So he might hold value for another team more so than the Giants who really need him as a returner. But just some details on him 5'11, 181, ran a 4.53. 40-yard yard, yard dash at the combine. Looking at his tape, he looks a lot faster and quicker on tape than his testing. Um, very elusive. He plays outside. He plays inside. Now, remember, Toledo is a little bit of a different competition level. So I think in the pros, he would um, probably project to the slot more so than outside. Gets off the line wall very quick. Shifty after he gets the ball. Good run after the catch. He does have some drops. He lets the ball get into his body sometimes. Doesn't kind of extend to get the football sometimes, which is a little bit of a problem for him. Uh, there was some rough quarterback play at Toledo, so it was tough to get a real good feel for exactly what he would do in a better offense with a better quarterback. But you know, he tries as a blocker. He's a good return guy, quicker than fast, so he does run by people as well. I think he would be a good round four wide receiver investment for somebody, maybe even late round three that maybe a lot of people have heard about. I think he'll be a very good. Um, solid slot receiver with some speed to get deep as well in the National Football League.
2: Well, I mean, I'm looking at his numbers just in terms of special teams, and, you know, clearly he's got the versatility to oh, do yeah. damage as a punt returner and a kickoff returner. And then, you know, I'm reading here that he had touchdowns of 80 in receiving, 83 as a punt return, and 98 as a kickoff return. So he's had a number of big scores in 2018 across the board
0: for his level of comp. He has elite athleticism. Like, he looked quicker and faster than everybody else on the field he played against at Toledo. Now, when you get to the NFL, that's not going to be the case, which is why he's not going to be a first-round pick, right? But I think he has enough to be an effective player in the league.
2: Well, and the other thing is, if he's not going to be a first-round pick, in all likelihood, John, he's probably not going to be one of the top three wide receivers on the roster, which means year one, if he's going to make an impact, it's going to be on special teams. So, to your point, I think you're going to have to have a team that values him as a return guy early in his career— and then looks to have him blossom and spread his wings, where he'll be more of a playmaker as a wide receiver. You know, it, it's reminding me of former giant. Names escaping me for some reason. The wide receiver was the big return guy that we had here a few years ago. Is now with the Oakland Raiders. Why am I drawing blanks? I'm trying to remember the name of the guy you're talking about who that returned memorable. all the who returned yeah, kicks or punts, but did a little bit of everything. Played all four special teams units on the coverage teams. Did everything. Not Thomas. No. Oh, Dan. Dan put has it in the document Dan has Dwayne document. Harris. That's Dwayne it. Harris. Oh, okay. I was thinking Dwayne Wow, Haskins you know, I actually for- yeah.
0: I forgot about Dwayne Harris. Yeah. I don't know why, but I did. He reminds
2: huh. me a little of that just Thank in you. terms of his resume.
0: Oh, I forgot Dwayne so Harris.
2: So, that would be to me a similar way for him to come into the league. Make an immediate impact as a special teams return guy. Yeah, I think that's a good... And name. then branch out as to a wide receiver. Good
0: name, and he's not going to be the coverage guy that Dwayne Harris is, who's one of the league coverage so he's guys. not you're as right. versatile in that department. Right, but I think he's also... I think he's a better receiver than Harris was, to be honest with you, I really do. 201-939-4513. Back to the phones. Let's go to George in Florida's up next. George, what's going on?
4: Hey, guys, how are you doing? We're doing great, Hi, George. George. what's up? Um, When it comes to quarterbacks, I think there's Salvo. way too much uh, micro analysis going on. Kill um, if you look back at the Giants history they've had a couple of quarterbacks uh, three that come to mind they weren't exactly uh high draft choices i don't well Sims was but he was he was looked at as a reach back then coming from a school that uh, actually uh, uh, ended ended football he turned into a, an excellent quarterback but i think uh building the uh roster is the important thing and i think Gettleman's doing the right way and then i think they can bring in a quarterback that nobody's going to consider a franchise yeah, quarterback. But, yeah.
0: Well, but George, here's the thing. You say then you could bring in a quarterback. Eli was a top 10 pick. Sims was the top 10 pick. Kerry Collins was the top 10 pick for the team that drafted him, and the Giants got him. Those are your three best quarterbacks in franchise history in the last 40 years. So how are you then getting your next quarterback?
2: Oh, no, you can move up. I guess. Is yeah, what he's but I mean, but if you got to
0: move up from fifteen, if you're not high but together. if you got to move, from, no, like I'm for not, example, I'm let, not let's, saying, let's say, no, but George, for example, Giants
4: shouldn't draft the quarterback in the first round. Oh no, but double George,
0: but double George, George, for example, let let's say the Giants are picking fifteenth last year after going next year after going seven to nine, right? To get from fifteen to two or three, you're trading three first round picks, three. That's that's what you're going to have to do if you want to try to get an elite level quarterback. That's a really really high price to pay which is why the debate's really interesting and why I see both sides of the argument.
4: Well, I'm not saying they should not draft a quarterback this year. All I'm saying is that there may be a guy like Greer. There may be some other guy who they may who be nobody on. is recognizing as a so-called elite quarterback or a franchise quarterback. But he can be an excellent quarterback for them. I mean, you look at the quarterbacks around the league. Russell Wilson was he a first round pick?
2: Well, I think the bigger point is, George. I get what you're saying. I don't disagree with that. I, by the I way, think... we by the way we have gone through all the quarterbacks, and
0: around 80 to 90 percent of them are top, not only yeah. first round picks, top ten picks. Well,
2: the, the point is, the majority of starting quarterbacks that have had success in NFL history, even, are high picks. There are the outliers sure, that you're going to bring up, and Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Kirk Tony Cousins, Romo. Romo. Uh, there's a number of guys. To your point, yes that have gone in the fourth round, fifth round, later, and have had success. It's just, if you're looking at the highest percentage, George, the point is, the higher you take a quarterback, in all likelihood, the more likely that quarterback is going to pan out. George, I'll give you
0: some numbers. Second-round quarterbacks, 12 since 1990. This is not including last year's group. Second-round picks at quarterback, 12% made the Pro Bowl. Round 3, 15%. Round 4, 9%. Round 5, 5%. So you're looking at a 1-10, in in 1-8 hit rate if you're not picking a guy in the first round. And if you're picking a guy outside the top five, by the way, and pick six to 32, you're looking at only a 19% hit rate for guys that make the Pro Bowl. And by the way, that's just Pro Bowl. That's not even all pro or anything like that. So, it, well, what, about, what about Super Bowls? Ah, I can give you that too. Um, how about that? Round two, quarterback selected since 1990. No, no, and, no, no super, no. super Bowl
4: quarterbacks in the last 10 years who were first-round picks.
0: I mean, I don't have that. I I can give you since 1990. And of of quarterbacks that were picked in the second round since 1990, two have made the Super Bowl out of 32. That's 6%. Three of 40 quarterbacks selected in the third round have made the Super Bowl. Zero in the fourth, zero in the fifth, two in the sixth, and one in the seventh. And in the first round, pick six through 32, six of 36. 16% have gone
2: to the Super Bowl. So, the numbers are not great. Well, in the last decade, you're also going to be influenced by a guy named Tom Brady the last time I checked, Correct. too. So, <laughs> I mean, you have to put the numbers in perspective. But if you want to look at the
0: other guys, Matt Ryan, first-round pick, Joe Flacco, first-round pick. Super Bowl. Um, I'm trying to think of the other guys off the top of my head. Oh, Jared Goff uh, just got to one. Yep. I mean, I'm not looking mm-hmm. at the winners. I'm just Carson, looking at— Carson Wentz, who helped get his team there. I know he wasn't actually the— You can't look at the winners because
2: right. Brady skews it. Yeah, of yeah, course.
0: Yeah, well, that's yeah, right, what I'm right. saying, and I'm not looking at the winners. And, I now, think George, again, it's not impossible to find the quarterback late but just understand, your hit rate is really, really low
2: if you go that route. But I also well, see it if you love a quarterback and well, you're picking saying, in the yeah, middle not. of the first round, you move up. Listen, the well, Titans and not, the Rams I'm made a trade in the past that they to, try to Goff get a and and so bowl forth. And the, in the fourth
4: round or later. Yeah. What I'm suggesting is you got four quarterbacks that everybody's looking at this year. And uh, the analysis seems to be to focus in on one guy, and he's the only guy that's going to be able to take you to the Super Bowl. I'm saying that there could be four guys that have the potential to take you to the Super Bowl. Not all of them are going to get drafted in the first round, and coaching has an awful lot to do with it. You know, I used to think, and I'm an older guy, but I used to think that coaching in the NFL didn't matter too much because you got guys at such a skill level that they came in, you plugged them in, you told them what to do, and they did it. But i changed my opinion. Coaching is huge. Sure it is. And and that's why the Patriots are good every year. Yes, Brady is good. Yes, they bring in good players, great. but the coaching staff there is unbelievable. And yep. I'm not a Patriots fan, believe me. I'm a Giants fan. <laughs> but they they can take players and they coach them. They like to say coach them up. They prepare them to play in the NFL, and that's why the Patriots year in and year out can let players go and then get somebody else to do the job. they got an offensive line coach there. I don't know who he
1: is.
0: Dante Scarnecchio. He's, un- yep. he's yep. unbelievable. Yeah, he's yeah, done dude, a great, he's great job. He's fantastic. Look, George, you're absolutely right, and coaching does matter. And you could find the late-round quarterback that, if you put the right pieces around them, can go. There's no question about it. But you could also look at teams that have gone that route and kept picking quarterbacks around that part of the draft, and they haven't been good for 20 years. (laughs) <laughs> That's true. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, and the reason why ways.
2: is because, and, and appreciate the phone call, George, the reason being is because they haven't necessarily taken care of business in the trenches or on defense, which is what we were talking about earlier in the program. Or the which quarterback
0: is not good enough to get you over the hump.
2: Well, of course, but what I'm saying is, is that this whole thing about Super Bowl appearances. I would still argue a big reason why those first round picks got to the Super Bowl, or even the late rounders, is because of the team around them. Of course, and let's not lose sight of that facet of the conversation as opposed to just focusing on one individual.
0: Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Robin Jacksonville. Rob.
6: Hi guys, how you doing?
0: We're doing great, right, Rob. Rob. We're a little bit over, so if you could condense, I would much appreciate it. Rob, Rob, you are still there? You don't, you don't have to condense that much, yeah. Rob. You could talk. It's okay. Don't be shy. Uh, Can you hear me now? Yeah, we got you. Go ahead.
7: Okay. Uh, (laughs) First of all, I'd like to say I think Gittleman and his staff are going to do a great job with this draft. They've got a boatload of picks, and I have full faith in them that they are going to load up the team with what they find. Having said that, my thoughts are Juwan Taylor at 6, Clinton Farrell at 17, and then my question to you is, the top of the second round, if you can't trade that pick for Rosen, would you consider taking Simmons?
0: Oh, that's a good question. He's a top-ten pick if he's healthy. The question is, when does somebody roll the dice on him? I mean, the the Eagles pick Sidney Jones in the middle of the second round, right? I think Simmons is a better player than him. I think Jalen Smith is a better player than Simmons, but Smith had the worst injury. He was a top-of-the-second-round pick. Do you pick a defense? They have B.J. Hill and Dalvin Tomlinson. I don't think I would go in that direction, but I don't think it would be a bad pick either. I th- I think that's—you're right in the area. I think Simmons will go somewhere. Here's the other thing, too, Rob. Someone might say, because of the injury, I want that fifth year of control on Simmons and try to get him in, mm-hmm. le- in the late yeah. first
2: round to get that extra year on him, too. Because you're looking yeah. at the upside long-term yep. as opposed to Correct. just the immediate the returns injury. in exactly. one year. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I I think that's a, it's a good question, an interesting one to think about. If Thank the Giants right. are in that position and he's still on the board, because remember, like we talked about Saquon Barkley pick, you're not just drafting for 2019. Correct. You're drafting for the length of the rookie contract and the expectation that that player is going to warrant a second contract. So that's why. To the caller's point, Simmons belongs in the dialogue when you're selecting there, assuming he's still on the board. And it's not
0: like the Giants. This isn't coming off the 2016 season where you know you made the playoffs and you think if you had one player here, one player yeah, there, you can return, make a run. Urgency. This is yeah. a building process. Yep. So you make sure you get the guy that has the best long-term potential to be a, a big part of this team moving forward, and, and, and that's Absolutely. who you pick. Final call of the show, and I saved them last just for you, Lance, so, is Charlie in Portland, Maine. Wonderful. Hi, Charlie. Great way to okay. end the show. Hey, gentlemen. Hey,
7: Lance.
2: How are we doing, Troy? Hey,
7: here we are. Does it does a voodoo all over again? We're on the number six pick in 1996. We ended up picking Mr. Cedric Jones.
0: Yeah, that was not a good pick, Troy. I'm not sure if you no? saw it, by the way. Greg Gabriel, who uh, I I don't does he work for a media outlet? I don't know, but he wrote a story. If you go to his Twitter yeah, page, I read it. I read it's that
7: a, story. It, It's
0: a great. It's actually a great story.
7: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the, and the thing is, is that. I, you know, there's going to be one defensive lineman, rusher. I think it's Gary. I think Gary's the next Cedric Jones, myself. I,
0: I, no, I would not pick picked, him either, Charlie. I think that's a very
2: dangerous pick.
7: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I think it is really dangerous, and someone's going to pick him. Well, your now, evaluations
2: hope, have been on point, so, I mean, I hope that everybody's listening. Go ahead. Continue. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, in this case,
2: he, he agrees with me, so he's probably well, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I, or I, he can you influence know, you the happy, wrong way.
7: Uh, Gettleman is not going to get caught like the Giants got caught in 1996 because the no, five guys they won't. wanted all got taken, and then they, they kind of reached.
0: Well, Charlie, so the point, good thing is that there's a much better cohesiveness between the front office and the coaching staff now than there was back in 1997.
7: Yeah, for sure, for yes. sure. But, uh, you know, I, I look at it, I, I look at, we got, we got 12 picks, right? We're going to be picking for need. You know, it isn't like we're just going to all be picking for the best player available. You know, we're going to be picking for need.
0: That's why we got 12 picks. Well, to a certain but, extent, like, but for example, Charlie, we're not telling you the, you're going to go take a running back in the first round. That's not going to happen. But what positions would you rule out? Besides maybe offensive guard, because you have Zeitler and Will Hernandez. I probably wouldn't take a guard high either. Besides those two positions, would you really rule any other position out? I mean, they have needs everywhere.
7: Well, that's what I'm saying. But, you know, the the whole thing is we're always saying that we're taking the best player available, which I I don't think that's true at all. I think we pick... Well, you know, if we got a couple players that are kind of equal, and then our position of need is this, then
2: we grab them. Yeah, of course. But, well, but that right. makes sense. I think most yeah. teams operate like yeah. that, and that. Charlie. that makes sense. Where you have got you just laid out. You've got need four is or five a tiebreaker, correct? Right. Across the board, evenly. So what differentiates all of them? Okay, you'd be like, hey, we need a defensive lineman, pass rusher. We're going to take the pass rusher.
7: Well, just, that's crazy. You know, just for example, say say at the number six position. You know, we're going to take the best player available. Okay. Now, what if the best player available is another defensive tackle? or is Well, Charlie,
0: I hate to tell you, if Quinn Williams yeah. is sitting there at six, they're probably going to take him. And Williams well, can would too. Well, be effective in stunner. both ways.
7: What if it's that Bradbury? Right, but he's, from, but he, he, um, isn't, he
0: isn't going to be the best available player at six. Well, four, I think rather. Giants might think he is.
7: Who knows, yeah. right? When's the we last time Charlie? Boy, Charlie? A, Charlie. When has a— Charlie, when has a— Charlie, when has a— board is different. Charlie. Everybody thinks one player Charlie. is
0: better than another. Charlie. Charlie. Right? Charlie. When has a center been picked in the top ten in the NFL draft? When's the last uh, time? Seriously. I mean, come on. Let, 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 let's not be stupid, okay? Okay.
7: Well, I'm not being stupid. I'm just saying. Going up. off the details you know? again. Yeah. To think he is, well, the, you know, when he comes six. to their slot. They and might you know what, Charlie? Is, when the when the player.
2: Arizona Cardinals take Bradbury with the number one overall pick, <laughs> you should be doing backflips because somebody good is going to fall to the <laughs> Giants. Or, or, all right?
0: or, or, or maybe the Niners <laughs> will take him, and you can put him next to Weston Richburg, <laughs> and they can play together. That's that right, because be Richburg's
2: too. got the flexibility to play center and guard. See, Charlie, you got the whole draft scripted up. Hey, I've kind of he will Let's be picked higher than you guys think he's going
7: to be picked. I think I, Garrett,
0: I think Garrett Bradbury could be picked between fifteen and twenty in this draft. Yeah, that I, wouldn't surprise me at all. I think he's going to be a top ten pick. I don't think you're correct about that. All right, we'll see. We will see. Maybe I'll be okay, wrong, guys. But I don't think so. Maybe I'll be getting some <laughs> lobsters this year. Thank you, Charlie. <laughs> it's not going to be <laughs> enough <laughs> we'll lobsters left Appreciate in Maine it, with all of these bets, by the way. S- guys, look, Bradbury's a hell of a player. He's the best center in the class. Cent- yeah. Centers
2: just don't get drafted in the top ten. No, I mean it just doesn't happen. Well, Travis Frederick, who unfortunately missed last season because of an illness, I mean even when you look at where the Cowboys got him, what they get him late teens, early twenties. I think it was like twenty seven or twenty eight, right? So yeah. yeah. But you know, listen, Charlie, like guards, guards are going in the top ten sometimes. Yeah, well, Not Brandon even. Sheriff went in the top ten, so there's an example. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, Jonathan Cooper back yeah. in the day, um, Chance
0: Warmack. I think we're both top ten picks, right? Yep. And Quentin Nelson last year is a perfect example yeah, of a that's guard another top good ten. One. Yeah. But, cent- but I mean they I, were
2: projected at a specific spot though. Correct. Bradbury's known more for a center. That doesn't mean he doesn't have versatility. No, he's a center. He is being penciled in at that spot. I'd be very surprised if he goes top five, top ten. If he
0: goes around fifteen though, even like no, I don't 14, think that's crazy that crazy wouldn't
2: shock me. I, I just no. uh, Charlie, I love you. I just don't see top ten.
0: He well, always tries to push it one little bit. Well, hold level on.
2: The far. Lions also took a center within the last year or two. What, Whiteside you're talking about? No, well, uh, white hair was the bears. white hair. Sorry, that was the bears. Well, that was the bears. But the but lions right. uh, took, uh, I believe, uh, a center as well. It was 2017, 2018 draft? It'll come to me, and maybe I'll tweet it out. I'm pretty sure. Well, while you look it up, he took a center. I'm gonna promote. The Giants Huddle Podcast.
0: Episode 3 is up. I had a chance to talk to Carl Banks for about an hour. It's up there. Make sure you go check it out. We talked about his career. He broke down the current team as well. And just kind of like trends around the NFL and trends in the league. So uh, make sure you go check that out. It's the Giants Huddle. You can find it on all your podcast platforms, whether it's Apple uh, Podcasts or TuneIn or Stitcher or Google Play. You name it. Uh, We're there. So make sure you check it out. Uh, the first two episodes, the first was with Peter Schrager with me, and then Paul Dettino talked to Amani Toomer, and then I spoke to Carl Banks this past week. Make sure you check that out on
2: your favorite podcast platform. Frank Ragnow. Yeah, that was twentieth overall pick. Twentieth, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Detroit. That's right. So there's another one. But Brad is gonna break all barriers. I think between and he's gonna make history this year. I season. think between, and I cannot wait to get Charlie's phone call when he proves us all wrong, and he's actually going to play next to Bradbury. Wait till you hear this. The team that drafts Bradbury is gonna sign Will Beatty. people. You heard it here, right here on Giants.com. Bradbury and Beatty, the double Bs, the killer Bs. There you go. That's the way to end the show. I Solak also suggest
0: you go listen to the archive of yesterday's show. We had two good, real good spots. Matt Waldman, who did his in-depth look at the quarterbacks and some of the wide receivers, as you'll hear, and Benjamin Solak from the Draft Network joined us talking about cornerback. Is as well. Will
2: Beatty on the podcast list, by the way? No, he's not. Why? Charlie would have been uh, stopping everything in his lifetime. To listen to that. I think we need to get on top of that. If we'll be this it uh, offers to bring in some of those candies again, well, maybe we go. Maybe we can I get about the podcast. We work on that. What do you think, point, well, can, we get,
0: can we get B to bake some of those candies again? No. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on Giants.com Everybody, have a good day. Have Adios. a good one. <laughs>